hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are joining me and my guests. Episode five of the S1 Tom Chat. And with me today, two of the loveliest people in the world, uh, Carol Terrio and Graham Kalooli. I know, right? I know. It, well, I'm reading the show notes that you actually typed in, Carol. So I feel <laughs> like Oh, no, I agree um, that I'm lovely. I agree that I'm lovely. <laughs> Yeah, you got it now, you may know you may know Graham and Carol from the Smashing Security podcast, Yay. the wildly successful uh, podcast success story, um, which has just gone from strength to strength, um, modelled off uh, another podcast. I understand, uh, which was episode one of the Host Unknown podcast back from twenty fifteen. Uh, we have that in black and white on our website to prove it, but. Um, but yes, it's so lovely to have you here, both of you. Thank you for coming. Delighted to be here. Yeah, thank very you very much. Fun. Lovely I wish to we be could here. do this in person. Mm. So a little bit of background. Uh, so, Graham, you've been in the InfoSec industry, I think literally from when you left school in short trousers, right? <laughs> um, you were right there at the forefront um, I, in fact, I believe I actually saw you at Soft Teach in Heathrow uh, with Dr. Alan Solomon. I, Were you I there? attended there as well. Were I've you there got when copies we did our, uh, in my our... loft. Yeah. I got copies in my loft of the original Doc Solly's hardback book, you know, with the ring binder, which pages of each virus that went in there. I've still got that. Um, but yes, you joined uh, Dr. Alan Solomon and uh, uh, the antivirus right from the very early days, right? Pretty early on, yeah. I, so I started work. I, I think I went for my interview at Dr. Solomon's in late 1991 and mm. uh, began in January 92. Yeah, uh, writing the very first mm. version of Dr. Solomon's antivirus toolkit for Windows. And after a while, they stopped <clears throat> they didn't require me just to program, but I, I would go and do events like that. It was There was a fantastic event we did at that hotel, actually, I think, which, which was all based around uh, a virus writer called the Black Baron, a, a British virus writer, real name Christopher Powell, who'd written the Smeg viruses. So we did this red dwarf themed thing. There was another time when we did something which was all based around Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So there's sort of theatrical performance as well as programming going on. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I remember those days well, with floppy disks and everything. Now, mm. Carol, you've been 20 years in the industry. You're obviously much, much younger and better looking than Graham. Yes. Um, you're the founder of TikTok Social, a comms consultancy for the tech world. Mm -hmm. You uh, you met Graham at Sophos, is that correct? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I was there before him, I think, by a year or two or three, but I didn't know him at all, and he... Uh swaggered in there like the big kingpin info security guy he thought he was and my immediate reaction was not positive and i don't think his was positive of hasn't, me hasn't changed I was, I, yeah exactly uh so we didn't talk for a while uh but then uh, yeah. we suddenly i remember how we became friends <laughs> I remember. Oh, oh, oh really yeah i was uh i was getting some secret messages from someone kind of like flirty messages and i was like I didn't. I thought I was sure it was someone in the office, and it wasn't was me. Can I stress? It wasn't me. Oh, 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 right. Okay. But okay. no, I went to Graham at one point and said, "Look, you have to help me find who this is because it's me." You know, you're a nerd. Yeah. You understand this exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then he proved very useful. So you know, he's still around. 
and still proving useful to this day. Yes. Um, I, I think I said to you the other day on the phone, Carol, that actually being on the Smashing Security podcast, uh, links in the show notes, folks, but being on the Smashing Security podcast on the recording side mm. versus listening to it is a very different experience. So, you know, on the on, when you're listening to it, it's very friendly, it's very slick, etc. When you're recording it, it's like being in the living room while your parents argue in the kitchen. It's just, Jeffing. it's it's incredible. Oh my goodness me! In fact, I think you know I would refer to you, Carole, as as uh, Smashing Security's chief voice of reason, and oh, uh, <laughs> thank you, very and, much. and 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 Graham as just well, I don't know, chief something, but uh, yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's fascinating, but it's a dynamic that obviously works because the show is on its what two hundred and twenty eighth ninth episode second yeah twenty second two 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 there you go two hundred twenty second episode which is roughly what four and a, four and a half years something like that we started just mm-hmm. before Christmas yeah. twenty sixteen I think yeah ah uh, right. Yeah, oh God, yeah. When you were looking for a, a, a cash cow to get to, to supplement your uh, income, right? <laughs> well, I've been bugging Graham to do a podcast for a long time, actually. Yeah. Before, after we after we left Sophos, I think I was I was every day I was like, should we do a podcast? We should do a podcast. We should do a podcast. We should do a podcast. And then he finally acquiesced. And it's yeah. you know, Have we started a year earlier? Who knows we, where we we did been. do a podcast oh, at Sophos. Well, you did a podcast at Sophos for a while though, didn't you? You were you were doing one there. I did. That was a long, long time ago. Yeah. An yeah. award winning podcast, I believe, wasn't it? Was it? I don't know if it won awards. Was it not? But well, it was, it was an early naked... podcast. This was in 2010. Right. Yeah. Even younger, yeah. maybe. Was that, that was the Naked Security podcast, wasn't it? It was a Sophos podcast. It was about, It was oh. before Naked Security, actually. And uh, I would interview the CTO and you know, the CSO and the head of IT about stuff. But I was really green. And so I would ask a question that I'd written down, and then they would give me an answer, and I would go, Interesting. No, that's the next question. It's quite fun to check out those. Not on this podcast. It's quite fun to check out those earlier episodes. I'm not. I can't. I can't bear it. I can't bear it. I can't bear it that they're still out there. I can't bear it. I can't. Are you somebody who takes lots of pictures and then can't bear to look at yourself on them? I I don't take pictures and I don't look myself very often. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're going to really enjoy this web this uh, podcast when it gets. I know. Released. I'm having a blast so far. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So what I th- what I think is really interesting though here is a is a real sort of mashup between, you know, the technical chops on the one side because obviously Graham you you joined uh, Doc Solis as a as a coder a developer you producing this you know the actual no um, no this is a myth this is all wrong Tom software. your research is rubbish this this is this is untrue Reser- so well, I- I'm going to I'm going to fire somebody then. So I was a programmer and coder at Doctor Solomon's and after a while at Doctor Solomon's. They saw I was quite good at presentations. And so I jumped from a programming job at Dr. Solomon's into a sort of marketing PR product manager job there. So I was getting myself in the press, commenting on whatever was going on in the world of security. And then when Dr. Solomon's got acquired by McAfee, and I thought, I don't want to work for them, um, Sophos came along and said, well, could you do what you did for Dr. Solomon's for us? And I said, sure, that sounds like fun. So that's... So I've never I've never programmed at Sophos at all. Not really technical at all. It's just all a myth. Uh, okay, okay. So so basically, HR at Doc Solomon's said, 
your coding sucks. You <laughs> are probably better off doing PowerPoint. Yeah, That's you should true. be a talking head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. Exactly. <laughs> no, but you are a very, very good presenter, speaker, you know. And technically you know your stuff skill. as well. Yeah, there I said a nice thing. Yeah, there you go. That's that's your one for the day. That's that's all a therapist asks for, Carol. But uh, <laughs> but I think that but there's this strong melding of you know there there is a technical background there. Don't get me wrong, but that strong melding of a communications on one side and the the, the technology on the other side, um, and that's what actually helps bring that message across so much better than many yeah. other podcasts, etc. I mean, I know that the, the comparisons to things like top gear are you know overused a little bit but there's certainly that kind of you don't have to be in security to enjoy the smashing security podcast Mm -hmm. because you know you're you're both and especially Carol, i've noticed this with you you're very much now let's explain this concept it's simple to us but to other people let's explain this Mm -hmm. concept that we're talking about with Mm -hmm. 2fa or mfa or what is the difference between the two or or whatever so i think it's Mm -hmm. What I really liked, you know, the, the show itself is very accessible, but as a result, it's delivering content that people really need um, yeah. far broader than just the InfoSec industry. I see it like a lot of podcasts, especially in our space, try to ram it's like think of it as fast food. Right. And some of yeah. them are like you've gone to McDonald's, they give you by 50 quid or 50 bucks worth of fast food and they shove it down your throat as fast as you can. And you taste you know, it's disgusting. And I think we, I think naked security or smashing security rather is like a five course dinner, right? Yeah. Start with hors d'oeuvres. Oh, we have a few giggles in between some sorbet, right? A yeah. few giggles. A few dirty jokes from Graham. Yeah. Then a little dessert at the end, you know, a little après, uh, yeah, amuse bouche, yeah. little espresso. There and you then we go. do it with a laugh, right? Yeah. And it's, it's fun. I enjoy doing it. And that's the thing. Graham and I always <laughs> said, if it's fun, we'll continue, continue doing it. Right, and we don't mind scrapping. We can scrap and get over it pretty quickly, which thank God. But, uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you've got to stay together for the kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> no All way to talk about Maria. Of them. Yeah, that's right. Two hundred and twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one of the questions that, especially having known, you know, or being sort of involved with Doc Solomon's back in the early day to today um, and, you know, time at Sophos, et cetera. You know, whatever happened to the good old days of viruses and malware? What, what, what changed from, you know, oh, something's gone wrong, you know, get the IT guy to come around with a floppy disk and we'll get, it'll all get sorted out and all that sort of thing, to where it is today, which is it's feels so evil and malicious and... Yeah you know, really unpleasant. I mean, there was a certain annoying joy to it back then. And I, I say that you know, heavily caveated, but <laughs> and maybe looking back 25 years through rose-tinted glasses, but but it seems to have really changed. It's gone from a, a bit of fun to organised serious crime. I have to say it was so much more fun in the old days. And I, I think the reason is that back in the old days, um, the malware was written largely not to make money. The malware was being written to show off by kids in their back bedrooms, you know, who were just messing around. And so the malware would do visual things on the screen to be noteworthy. So you'd get a green caterpillar yeah. going across, eating up your letters and pooing them out the other end brown or 
you'd have an ambulance go across the screen or letters dropping down. And it, it was kind of fun and it was kind of creative. It was a bit, it really was electronic graffiti, which is what sometimes people call malware. Um, and then, of course, yeah. like everything, money ruined everything. You know, then criminals yeah. realized, oh, we could use this to take over people's computers, to set up as bots, to send out spam, or we could use this to steal data and rather than it being kids. And that's not to say the kids stuff was good and, you know, wasn't problematical and uh, shouldn't be something that was stopped. But a lot of creativity has gone. So now it's money that rules the roost and the sheer glut of malware, the new malware that's coming out all the time is enormous. Mm. When I started um, writing antivirus software, there were around about 200 new viruses every single month. Most of our customers received their updates on floppy disk sent them through the post every three months. Yep. If you're really paranoid, you'd get a monthly yep. floppy disk. And now, what, we're seeing hundreds of thousands, maybe a million new pieces of malware and variants every single day. So the, the, the scale yep. of the problem is... We were still sending increased. out... <clears throat> we were still sending out CD-ROMs like in 93 monthly to 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 people at Sophos for example with the with the new idea 2003 so, you mean you know but i don't know at, at 93 is when i oh no no sorry you're right yeah 2003 we were still doing it in 2003 mm. the know? curse of the um the coronavirus year has completely skewed our concept of time <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe it's my age though but you know what guys i wonder i wonder because we you know we're all a bit longer in the tooth now and have been around the industry a long time i wonder if for people entering info security now if they would find it quite exciting to work in because i think i would i mean with all yeah. this ransomware going on and these you know cryptocurrency and sim swapping and zoom bombing I and mean, it's an exciting field to work in yeah and we need good people we're like we need good people and i think I just think, you know, God, I could have ended up working in retail or, you know, like there could have been so many finance, you know, like there's been so many industries that would have been much more. But that's, yeah. that's a really interesting question, because why information security for both of you? Because, you know, could you be doing the same thing as you're doing now, but in an unrelated industry like, I don't know, retail? Could you could you see yourselves doing the the smashing retail podcast you know, or whatever <laughs> or was was it always security was or was it what was it that mm. made you get into this in the first place apart from the fact it was a paying job straight out of university Graham. well i'm i fell into this completely by accident i used to write computer games when i was at mm. college and I, I used to ask for money at the end of the game if you liked the game send me a fiver and it was actually quite successful and one day there was a box on my doorstep with a letter from Alan Solomon saying, liked your games, do you fancy a job? And that's how I got into computer security because his kids and he liked my computer games. Um, so I, I could have ended up doing absolutely wow. I was just desperate to work and I knew how to program and I was lucky enough to fall into cybersecurity and yeah. learn on the job. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, mm. I don't feel particularly wedded to security. I don't know how you feel, Carol, but I, I feel like... Um, it might be quite fun to do something which was outside security if it could oh, pay the bills. Tons of and, yeah, yeah, but it, you, I what, think. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, what about you, Carol? How, how, 
How did you I end landed up in as well by accident. I went to a very uh, computer security or no computer savvy university, Waterloo, University of Waterloo in Canada. And at the time mm-hmm. when I was there, the rumor was I don't even know if this was true, but the rumor was this is where Bill Gates was getting most of his developers from, right? Like just hoovering up at the university. So I think it had a reputation. So when I landed in England, that kind of set a precedent. So when I was looking for work, um, and I'd done one class only in technical writing, right? I'd done like one like semester class, but somehow there was this gig at Sophos of like running the you know technical writing team or something, and they were so impressed that I'd actually gone to a really <laughs> kicking university with you know and had done a bit of it, even though it had been like probably six months, four months or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it was great for me because it allowed me to work. I really wanted to, to you know, stretch my wings and you know go to different countries, work in different environments. So I was really um, keen. So it just welcomed me in, and it was fast-paced enough to keep me interested for for quite a long time. And then from technical consulting to to communications yeah, well, and that, things like that. Yeah, because Jane Graham and I had made friends, and he was running the PR stuff at the time. And uh, there was a vacancy, and I was like, "Okay, I'm out of here." Tech support. I mean, it was way into the industry and way into the England working in England uh, technical yeah. writing, but it wasn't for me. You know, it was a bit. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not yeah, a proofreader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, what about what about you though, Tom? How did you get in the industry? Again, well, slightly by accident. I've always been into IT and technology oh. and all that sort of thing. And when my first job out of university was as a a, a deck vax VMS operator on a twenty four hour shift system. That was fun. We even mm. had the the reel to reel magnetic tapes yep. for backups and stuff like that. Wow. You know, massive things. Um, great systems. It had a lot, a lot of uh, good laughs. You look on great those. for ninety. I know, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they were at Bletchley Park, Tom. That's <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> but um, uh, and so I've always been in IT, etc. I mean, my my degree was actually industrial relations, personnel management, with computing. I mean, it was a real sort of mishmash. I got a third class. I completely fluffed the whole thing up. Um, and that's what, how I became a VAX operator, a deck VAX operator, before somebody asks me if I'm vacuuming. And um, uh, and then I, I you know, moved from one IT job to another to another and you know, got through the ranks, got into sort of management, whatever that, that might mean. And then uh, in, in one job, I was running uh, international teams, and I said to the COO, I think we've got a gap here, you know, around business continuity. I think, you know, we, we've got nothing in place. And he had actually recently just had his identity stolen, his credit card details stolen. He was going through all that. And he, it made him think, oh, my God, how many records of our clients, of our customers' clients do we have access to? Is this going to happen to us? And so he said to me, you could set, you know, what I want you to do is set up a team that will do BCP and this and this and this and this and this. Uh, next Tuesday, please. Uh-huh. It was literally I had to go back to my boss and say, "Well, someone three ranks higher up than you says I'm no longer working for you, so bye." Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, April or February, March, April two thousand eight. I can't remember exactly. Just set up the first security office in in this particular company. And it went from there, and it, it yeah. worked out really well. And it, but the interesting part was, and I think, I think like you know something like you you just said is, as soon as I got into it, I had a career. 
up till mm-hmm. that point, I just had a job doing st- technology and IT, but I wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It was every, everything was just sort of falling into the next thing and the next thing. Whereas for security, it's like now I know what I want to be. Now yeah, I know yeah. where I how I can get there as well. I'm not sure I've ever felt like I'm going anywhere. I, but I'm quite happy not going anywhere. <laughs> no. I'm sort of, I, I don't really want to progress. I, I often had a challenge when bosses would say, well, what? But you, you know, have what? a career, though. Well, yes, yes. But I mean, when, when people yeah, said, Graham, oh, you know, Graham, you, you were you Dr. Want to Solomon's darling. You know, well, you were Dr. Solomon's darling very early on in your career. And he was able to, you know, not everybody has. That. I mean, it's a great thing. He saw talent in you and it worked out well. But that's a, if that happens to people. You know, yeah. and it means you've been sorted for 25, 30 years. You know, same presentation. So, same old jokes. <laughs> same old Oh, nonsense. you've watched it as well, have you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how, how lovely to be yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so pleased I agree. Well, it would be stop, like we had, stop. This is what it would be like if we did two shows a week, Clue. <laughs> No, but I, I think I think Graham, the point is that you know you've made a you've had a career out of this, and you probably realised, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is the industry that speaks to me, and I can speak to it and make a contribution to. That doesn't mean that you want to yes. be, you know, on the board of every security company or whatever. Oh, you have yes. found and, and your place. As I example. wouldn't want to be because I'd find that boring. And I, I, I if if something's boring, yeah. I will do a bad job at it. And sometimes I've had situations where people have tried to get me to manage people. And I really, it's just, oh, forms and reviews and dealing with people. You know, I just want to just do what I do and someone else can handle yeah. all of that. And I think that's a mistake some companies make is trying to push management and, oh, you want to climb up the ladder. It's like, no, I don't want to climb up the ladder. I'm very happy down here. Thank you very much. I'll just do this bit over here. The Peter mm. principle, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're being promoted yeah. um, to your level of incompetence. Yeah. Hey, you're really good at this. Let's make you more senior. You're yeah. still really good at this. Let's make you more senior. Hey, you're really bad at this. You're fired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> money money, and seniority shouldn't always go together like that. I think no. people don't no, have to right. management in order to get their bonuses. You know, it's, yeah. the, the whole system's a bit crazy. But I'll say one thing, though, about the career. Despite it being really exciting, I think because it's so fast-paced and for me, maybe at the time where I was, who knows, but it was an intense experience. So by the time that I left corporate land, you know, working across Europe and global roles, all kinds of different manner of roles, and I'm sure all that, I, I was close to breakdown land, I think. Mm. Like I, you know, so the more you climb, the more, you know, you, you see the inconsistencies within a place or, you, you know, you're not always agreeing with everything that's being done. And that can, you can wrestle with that when you're contributing a whole big chunk of your life to something that you don't necessarily agree with in principle or in ethically or morally. It doesn't matter. And so my call would be to companies to really look after their employees, but be good people. Like just be, yeah. do good things and be good. Stop ripping everybody off and pissing off employees, you know? Yeah. Because you could really build a family if you if you looked after it like that. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think as, as you know, Carl, we were talking about it just the other day that you know I I've I've been very public about the challenges I had, and you know when I was a CISO, I used to joke at the beginning that all I did was PowerPoint and politics, and then towards the end of it, I was very clear: all I do is PowerPoint and politics. 
Mm-hmm. And it did. It, it it had a real, you know, impact on my, you know, my mental health and my, you know, my my um you know personal relationships and all that sort of thing and did reach that breaking point. But um, you know, I, I I think as much of that was down to me as it was the organization in a sense. And it's not the specific company I was working at. It could have been any other company, mm-hmm. you know, for want mm-hmm. of a better term. And the one thing that that taught me was actually, if you need to stop, then stop. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing's worth it. There's plenty of people to pick up the slack. You're not invaluable, no. you know. Um, and actually, you will do a far better job as a result. And, I, you know, I've become much happier, much more content. Um, I eat a lot more chocolate, which is unfortunate. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe that's where it is. Eat chocolate, everybody. You'll be happy. Uh, and you'll have the short-term energy to meet your deadlines. But um, <laughs> but uh, but really, I think people get very tied up. And security is one of those things where if I don't do this, the company will collapse, it will break, it will whatever. You know, mm. the whole we're measured on failure and all that sort of thing. Actually, frankly, we need to take a step back from that. Mm. I agree. I agree. And do you think lockdown, Tom, has actually helped that or not? Do you think people working from home or has that actually increased the pressure for people? Do you know, I think I think it worked in the short term, maybe the mm. first sort of, you know, three to six months, because people, companies had to take into account different ways of working and people getting up and letting the dog out or letting the delivery person in or, or, or whatever, or dealing with kids working from home, because frankly, it was the only way they could operate. I mm. think the challenge is that like every senior exec, et cetera, who has a company phone and a company, you know, iPad and all that sort of thing knows you never switch off if you're not careful. And I think it's swinging that other way now. So when you combine, you know, lockdown, uh, imminent death, if you step outside your house and, you know, combined with an always on, you know, work infrastructure, et cetera, and uh, emails and communications, I think that can be very, very uh, dangerous. And I think we, you know, obviously when lockdown finishes, the sooner we can, um, the sooner we can sort of get that balance right of, yeah, come into the office occasionally, work from home or come into the office all the time if that works for you or, or not or, or whatever. But that, that much more flexible approach, I think we're going to be in a, in a better place as a result. And the moment that companies stop focusing on the hours people work, but the output that they produce. Um, I think it's going to be really important. I wonder, okay, this is a bit tangential, but I wonder if people go back to the office, if they're going to remember a lot of places I worked were open concept, right? No offices, right? We all share this. You're all in the bullpen, right? You're working away. And I wonder, and like in the same that everyone's been working from home and there's been this huge glut of people who have previously opened up their open houses into open plan models have then got the builders in to rebuild the walls so that the kids and the parents and everybody could do the multiple you know i wonder if the offices are going to do that as well so you're going to see these kind of glass cubes everywhere where people get to work in private in semi-privacy with airlocks yeah yeah (laughs) positive pressure inside you know (laughs) funny yeah spray on the way out you know in yeah that's right spray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 really fascinating and you know the security industry has played a massive part in this because 
you know, we've gone from, you know, the average IT group or security function having you know, been responsible for one, five, ten, however many offices to a hundred, a thousand, seventy thousand offices in, in, yeah. to all intents and purposes. And mm. and that is a major shift, you know, not only a cultural shift, but a real technolo- uh, technological shift as well. In that if you haven't got that bandwidth, if you haven't got that capability, and if you don't have the systems in place that will allow people to work like that, you mm. know, every day, not work from home, but work at home, subtle mm-hmm. distinction, right? Then actually the pressure and the tension and the stress that you're applying to those individuals is going to go through the roof. You know, if mm-hmm. they can't deliver something because they can't connect to the VPN or, or whatever, or they can't get access to a system for a deadline, etc., then bad behaviors or non-optimal behaviors will 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 go through the roof so it's it's i think it's going to be a very exciting few years as as you know we've gone from one thing and probably back to another immediate and then we'll sort of settle down a little bit more um when we find out where we are i think it's it's gonna like i said it's gonna be a fascinating time yeah i wonder Uh. something that yeah here can i just i'll throw i'll throw a little shade on your parade yeah (laughs) i worry about (laughs) employers spying on employees more and more because they yes. can't control the hours as they could five, 10 years ago. I've, you know, I've covered a few stories already about how there's like fairly insidious spy software. I would call it spyware you, that is boss. You covered approved. that on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I remember it. You know, and um, while there's some universities that are now kind of going, Ooh, maybe this isn't good. I wonder how many companies are actually doing that. Yeah. And, you know, what a way to build distrust, right? Yeah. Between employees and employers in the time when you need that more than anything. But it's it's also, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also comes down to, though, the culture of the country as well as the company. So, yes. You know, um, an old company I worked with, worked for, they had plenty of offices in, in India, for instance, and it was very common for working from home people because they needed 24 by 7 coverage, blah, blah, blah for them to have you know key loggers etc on their on their laptops and you know actually the cameras on what to make sure they were in front of their computers and that was just like yeah whatever you know well some of these different uh, attitude some of these call centers out in that you know neck of the woods you know have been criticized in the poorhouse because you're deep you as a customer are dealing with a company and you don't realize that the kevin you're speaking to is actually in Rangoon or wherever it may be. And of course, there have been data breaches which have occurred at them. They can be people who aren't paid very much. And so it can be tempting for them to use that information they can access to make themselves some extra dollars. Yeah. And you, you can understand yeah. the firms wanting to crack down on that because they could lose massive contracts if that becomes a, a big issue inside their organization. But they're cracking down on it in the wrong way. They're mm. cracking down with more distrust almost i mean and and there this is not a one dimensional problem let's face it you know it's this is a multi dimensional multifaceted uh, challenge but but i i remember when i was today? <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry again no, no i was just saying was that did i bring up a too deep a topic sorry <laughs> no i'm just, I'm just i have to say this has all been quite I, gloomy I I, this has all been quite there's been a lot of doom <laughs> and gloom about the future and oh, oh, should we get back all... to your career? Should we get it's back to your career? Stressful. Yeah, does he <laughs> <It's good. laughs> 
Let's just talk about the These Smashing Security Podcast a bit more. These are the important things. Well, everybody's got a book to sell, right? <laughs> Nonsense. I, I would never so, do that. I would never, okay, we'll, we'll move ever. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Let's move on. You know, no, always, always, the guest is always correct. When no, no, to, no, no, oh, no. This no, is depressing. Show, Tom. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on in that case. Tell us, do tell us. Here's your opportunity to sell your book, as it were. So what, what is... Who are you targeting Smashing Security at? Anybody with ears. Anyone with ears is allowed to listen to the Smashing Security podcast, and we're very happy. We apologise for the minimal amount of... So you're of... saying my mate Barry isn't welcome? No. <laughs> Barry, no ears. <laughs> Bog off. He's no good to us. <laughs> but the rest of them, very, very welcome. You don't have to be interested in computer security. Um, in fact, that can be a disadvantage. You might you might not enjoy the show if you're interesting. No, seriously. The thing is, everyone's got a phone in their pocket, so everyone's got a computer. Everyone wants to stay safe online. We try and explain it in a in a simple uh, uh, way, which is accessible and hopefully fun, whether you know about cybersecurity or not. Yeah, and and yeah, and I I would say our personalities are very uh, are strong, and they may not be everyone's cup of tea, and we're totally fine with that. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure we're each other's cup of tea either. <laughs> but 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 yeah, we try to make it accessible to everybody. I like the education side, right? I like yeah. I like the idea that I love getting the emails when someone goes, I had no idea and now I have a password on my phone and I don't just rely on this and I don't just join Wi Fi everywhere I go and I, these yeah. are things I never thought about. You know, yeah. and th that's great because, you know, just people getting a little bit wise because there's a lot of and it sucks, but there's a lot of crazy stuff going on out there. And in a world that's mm. disinformation, who do you trust? So mm. we try really hard to do our research and, and be honest about what we know, what we don't know and give our sources and provide links. So and, and the other fun, thing is that we've you know? had a, a, yeah. a, we, we, we try Very not to make game. it just boring with our own voices, but bring on other special guests as well. So some of them from the world of cybersecurity. Uh, so Miko Hippenen, for instance, a uh, well-known figure, or Troy Hunt's been mm. on the show, um, but people outside that world as well. So Jack Resider. Yeah, Jack Resider from Darknet Diaries. Um, Gary Kasparov, for instance, the world chess grandmaster. Uh, Robert Llewellyn, who plays Crichton, the robot android on uh, Red Dwarf. We got him How on. did you he was... get him? Well, we just asked him, and he said, yeah, I'll do that. And it's brilliant. So we, we love to get different voices and different points of view onto the show. I mean, how do you even find some of these people's agents? Oh, we would never, we just yeah, go, never go through an agent. We call up and go, do you know who we are? <laughs> yeah. It's not like these people publish their email addresses everywhere, though, is it? Or maybe they do. There's this thing called Twitter, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they don't always run them, you know. Yeah, I know, but we're not going for Taylor Swift yet. Yeah. Graham has enough followers now that people actually take notice if he reaches out. Uh, I'm, at a, I'm at a distinct mark. disadvantage on that front. It, mm. he, is, he has followed the kid's route and built an influencership, which is great for him. Yeah. Uh, but he does have to manage it. I think his first, I, think, I wonder how much of his ego is tied up in it now. I worry so, about it. Sometimes <laughs> it's difficult, though. I mean, we, we, we tried to get Tom Langford onto the show many, many times and getting through his the different tiers of agent, et cetera, and in order to convince him to do it and come to the right yeah. financial terms was, was really hard, but we got there in the end. We yeah. went after 
Yeah, we went after Alex from Reply All. Then we never, never managed that one. Are we going to list all the people who I didn't reply to us, who didn't say yes? Shall I'm we just giving that? you a few. Yeah, and shame, Let's shame them. them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because this is the place to do it. I mean, because they're, they're going to listen to this. Yeah. Exactly. They're not going to go on your podcast, but they're going to yeah. listen to this. Exactly. Bill Oddy. Bill Oddy. Yeah. He's never replied. Um, <laughs> he would have been great. Quite grumpy. Um, just uh, as an aside, I have a quota exceeded error that's showed up on my Zencaster right. saying oh. I've run out of free disk space. <laughs> that means your laptop has filled up with space. Yeah. Okay. Well, in which do? case, <laughs> I tell you what, I think we should call it there anyway. Carol's having some technical problems. Graham, you need to nip over and sort those out. Um, <laughs> but let's leave it there on the <laughs> lovely subject of, of of people who refuse to go on to smashing security, which I think is there a really good place to start. Um <laughs> Or refuse to even acknowledge that smashing security exists. But uh, I would love to um, uh, come on your show again, as always. In fact, this time, I, I believe I'm actually going to end up paying you money to do it again. But um, yes, so uh, Carol, Graham, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. And I do uh, hope you have enjoyed yourself as much as I have. Thank you. You're an absolute legend, Tom. Thank you so much. A real pleasure. Thanks, Tom. And thank you, folks, for watching and listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode five of the S1 Tom, Tom Chat. See you later. In the next episode of the S1 Tom Chat, Javad Malik gets mistaken for an information security professional. So, what does security think about this? And Andre Agassi, I mean, Andrew Agnes, claims parody gangster rap was his idea. <laughs> There's a lot of hate going on in this corner.